What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. My job is to make sure that we're ready to go. You know, I got a bunch of guys here who are counting, who are counting on me. I always talk to our players about the importance of being accountable to one another. So how can you be accountable to someone if you're allowing distractions to seep in? This is not what we're about here. This is why we've had the success that we've had here, because we find ways to eliminate the distractions and focus on the task at hand. Today is our third down day, so it's situational football day. That's the task that I'm focused on, and I need to make sure that we come away with a good practice so we can give ourselves a chance to have a chance on Sunday to go out and play. And finally, we are back here at it. BK, Serta in the building. I'm Ron, the show. Show and BK on the Chiefs uh, on Arrowhead Pride. I know you all talk bad about me because I missed week one. All right. 10-year anniversary. I was in the Bay Area getting hammered. Hammered. I'm, I'm not a wine drinker. Wasn't a wine drinker before I went on this trip. Now I'm changed. I'm refined. I hated red wines now. I, I, I love a good Cabernet Sauvignon. I love that. Now, that's my that's my wine of choice. I've got just, I mean, so I mean, so many glasses of red wine. I enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah, you could beat me up, but wifey wanted to go away for 10 years. Wifey gets to go away for 10 years. I don't know where we'll, where, where we'll be in the next 10 years. Probably a bad decision when I got married the first week of September. That probably should have been something that came down my mind, but you know, she wanted to get married nine, ten, eleven, so we had to have it happen. But I'm back. So, so you're telling me you didn't even race Jack Easterby? You missed our first week of the podcast for the NFL season, and you didn't even race Jack Easterby. Jack's scared. Um, he's uh, he's uh, he's scared. I've I've tried to race him in a ten, a twenty, a thirty, and a forty. He's refused. Uh, so Jack's Jack's scared. And that's that's what this thing is about. And I'm going to try to pressure him and peer pressure him into racing me. Don't think he will. But uh, not my fault that he's scared. And, he doesn't and have to race you after that week one performance from that squad. Well, you're, I oh, mean, you're right. From the Houston Texans. Tyron <laughs> Taylor, baby. All right. I don't feel like talking about that. I, I don't want to talk. I, 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 I've, I've talked out of that. The 37 points they Our did. They scored more than the Chiefs. They scored more than the Chiefs on Sunday, so that's a, that is a weird thing. But but let's get on this. All right, the Chiefs one and zero. The Ravens somehow self destructed against the Raiders um, and lost. They're zero and one, so they're desperate. Oh my God, you don't want to go zero and two in this division? Let me tell you something real quick, BK Serta, and, and, and you can you can agree or not. Uh, and I know there are going to be some Chiefs fans who'll say, "Oh my God, the show curse. Oh, you're going to jinx them." There's no way the Ravens can beat the Chiefs, ever, ever. Um, not it, it. It can't happen. I mean, obviously, it, it, obviously, injuries or something could occur, um, or they could have, or Lamar Jackson could have 
some some night that we've never seen before, but I don't think so. This is to me one of those matchups that are really, really bad for the Ravens. I think the Ravens can beat teams that the Chiefs uh, could lose to. Like I think we watched it Sunday, right? I think the, the the Browns are a team that could get the Chiefs, but I could see the Ravens giving problems to the Browns. They're physical and all of that. But the Ravens and the Chiefs is the worst matchup for the Ravens. If the Ravens are ever going to win a Super Bowl, they need somebody to beat the Chiefs for them because they can't beat them. Styles make fights. And with the Chiefs, what it's all about is you cannot get behind. And if you get behind, you got to have somebody that has the ability to bring you back. And if you don't, you're screwed. And the Ravens go and try to make decisions based on trying not to get down to the Chiefs which plays right into the Chiefs' hands. And as soon as they do that, that means Lamar has to do things he can't do, and that's throw consistently. And that's why, to me, the Ravens will never beat the Chiefs. It's interesting that you say never. I I don't know if I'm willing to go there. I'm strong. I don't know if I'm willing to go there with you, but I think their best chance to do so was probably in 2019. And, and the reason why I say that is because the Ravens were running real hot in 2019. And I'm just not sure they're ever going to run that hot again with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. And the reason why I say that is because in that season, they were incredibly healthy. Lamar stayed healthy all year long. The offensive line had incredible continuity that year. Your receivers stayed healthy for the most part that season. Mark Ingram was the best version of himself. You had Gus Edwards for all 16 games. All of your weapons that you expected to have, and I'm not saying they were otherworldly weapons, but all of the guys that were a part of that offense that made it what it was, they were all available, healthy, and at their best in 2019. We've already seen that's not the case in 2021. That was not the case for much of last season. The offensive They just lost line, another cornerback this week. <laughs> and, and on offense, like their offensive line is decimated right now yeah. with injuries. They could be without... Both guys that started a tackle for them last year, one of them is not playing for the Chiefs. The other one very well may not play on Sunday against Kansas City. And you're looking at Alejandro Villanueva, who was cooked on Monday Night Football against the Raiders. He's probably going to be playing left tackle for them on Sunday. So when you say that the Ravens can't beat the Chiefs, I tend to agree for at least this year. And I think in general, their formula for win is just so limited against this team. Defensively, they love blitzing. They are the team that just, they can't get enough of it. If they've got a cover zero idea, they're going to throw it at you. And you saw that all game long against the Raiders, especially late. And on that game-winning touchdown, they went to it once again. And when I say cover zero, I mean nobody that's over the top. No help over the top. It's just man-to-man across the board and blitzing eight dudes typically. Well, against the Chiefs, Mahomes is going to dice you up if you decide to do that. You're going to have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey one-on-one. Okay, good luck covering those two one-on-one. And Patrick Mahomes is going to find the open dude. He's going to find the hot read, and boom, it's over for you defensively. So they don't match up well defensively. Their offense, if they do get behind, as you mentioned, does not have the ability to keep up with Patrick Mahomes in a shootout because they can't throw the ball that way. The Ravens' formula is very simple. They get the lead. They maintain the lead with their running game. And against the Chiefs, that is not a formula for success, especially with the defense that they have. Could it happen if weird stuff happens from start to finish? Sure. Weird stuff happens sometimes in the NFL. But in a typical game script, nah, man, this is not the matchup that the Ravens want to see. 
I mean, boys, we've watched the Chiefs play bad games against the Ravens and still and still win. Like that like that game where Pat had to Patrick had to end up throwing some that crazy fourth down pass to Tyreek. They didn't play good that day. They still beat them. And the Ravens like as you said, man, they're just not built to play this team. Ever. I mean, because they what was it? What was the first time they played? John Harbaugh just came in and said, We're going for every fourth down. And he was playing Madden football. We're going for every fourth down. And that's the kind of stuff they got to do. And then they play right into the Chiefs' hands. And next thing you know, they just get punched in the face. And it is 14 to, to three, or it's 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 20, 17 to seven, 21 seven. And now you got to stop them every time. And then you got to score every time. But then you got to score the way that you don't score well. And that is putting Lamar, putting the ball in Lamar's hands. Like I, I was saying this earlier this week, BK, it, it, it sort of Lamar to me is the NFL version of Ben Simmons. Right? Like there's some things you can do to build around him. He's got some really, really good skills, and I think you can win with him. But the, the one thing that he seems to struggle with is that real important thing for his position and something that he hasn't improved a ton since he's been in the league, then that's that, like, throwing the football thing. You know, like throwing the ball outside the numbers, like – like first downs you have to get to. At some point in the game for every quarterback, especially with the offensive line that the Ravens are trotting out there and the running backs they're trotting out there, Devontae Freeman's been reinstated. Good luck with that. Uh, eventually it's going to be third and eight, third and nine, third and seven, and Lamar's got to drop back consistently and make those throws. And let me tell you something, my man can't, and I want him to work. I want Lamar. I'm a fan. Mostly, I'd like him to get vaccinated, but that's another thing. I'm a fan, but I would I would love for it to work, but it just can't. He's not going to consistently make those throws. And then, if he doesn't do that twice, that's probably 14 points for the Chiefs, oh. and that's a ball game. <laughs> I I I want to get to Lamar Jackson. I don't know why you just sideswiped Devontae Freeman. You know how many injuries. The Ravens' backfield has suffered. They got hey, no choice how did he right beat? Now. How did he beat Le'Veon to the? That's punch? how bad Le'Veon is now. Apparently, the you Devontae know the answer Freeman to that question. Devonte Freeman is just down for the is, or Le'Veon Bell's just down for the count. Apparently, he has no business being on an NFL roster. Yeah, Sideswipe that man. We, this man really asked, "Why didn't Le'Veon Bell beat him out?" You I saw Le'Veon how. play I'm last year. You know that. exactly how. But Devonte, Devonte doesn't have forearms. Like, like <laughs> that that injury's coming. I mean, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna break. I mean, forearm. there's no way he's gonna get in the mix. I I, I don't think he's gonna be heavily. What What really? do you mean? No way. What? What are they going to go with that Tyson Williams? Got, yeah, Tyson Williams looked good. Latavius Murray had a touchdown he, on Monday. Latavius, did you say look good or are you just saying things? Like 10 carries he, for I, 28 I said, yards? Tyson Williams looked good. I didn't say Latavius Murray looked okay, good. Latavius, Williams Tyson also Williams. created the fumble and missed the block that led to them losing the game. I, I don't know, man. Though, like, I don't care about those things as much maybe because I care about the explos- explosive ability that he had. 
I'll be damn sure that those coaching, uh, that coaching staff cares about that stuff. Like missing a block that leads to sacks. Yeah, that's that's yeah. something that John Harbaugh is going to care about. He had 35 yards on one carry, and then and he had 65 for the game. So, like, I mean, let's let's, <laughs> well, let's yeah. reel it in on Tyson. Yeah. Okay, but they got to reel in their expectations for him. He's the third straight running back. What do you expect? You're not going to get much better out of Devontae Freeman, but. To the Lamar point, I saw Lamar, at least in my opinion on Monday night, kind of carrying that Ravens offense where he was getting no protection from his offensive line. He's down to his third, fourth string running backs, and Sammy Watkins is the best wide receiver that he's got on the roster, and Mark Andrews just didn't show up. I totally agree with you that this Ravens team cannot beat the Chiefs. And that the best team that had an opportunity to beat them was the 2019 team, because that was the best version of this Ravens team. This team's just not in the same ballpark is the chiefs. In my opinion, See, like, th- th- this is the thing though with Lamar. Cause like you, you're, you're painting half the picture, right? Like you, you're, I mean, you know, Lamar had those, you know, two turnovers that, you know, that he likes to have because he's loose with the ball. And then he probably could have turned it over multiple other times because he's loose with the ball. Uh, and, and that that really hurt them. Like if he didn't turn it over, they'd probably be at least sitting here with a tie at the end of it. Um, but but it's just, dude, when, but, but it's how they how he has to be carried, that the Ravens offense would be carried. Now, if we're getting carried here and Lamar's up here around 150, you know, 120 yards rushing, and you know, and he's gotten a couple of play actions, and he's gotten to hit Hollywood Brown or Sammy. Let's just be honest, man. Who knows if Sammy's going to finish this game? But if he's got them down the field for deep balls, he's like that, he's that, he, he's week one. We all, we already know the story with Sammy. But that's a difference with Lamar is how he's being able to carry them. Like in the in against the Chiefs, the odds that Lamar is able to carry the team the way they need him to carry them are going to be slim because they're not stopping the chiefs. They're not stopping the chiefs. As soon as, I mean, as soon as they get it, I mean, they, like I said, they had another corner go down. Marcus Peters already out for the season. I mean, they're, I mean, it's, it's, this just, this matchup is just awful for them in every single way. So you mentioned the Ben Simmons comp. I apologize for non NBA fans. You probably know this player though. I actually think there's another comp that makes for me a little more sense for him. I think he's good enough. <laughs> I'll tell you why you're wrong now, Ron. This it feels um, like it feels like this one's actually going to be better than my comp. So let me write this down because I'm going to steal this one. He reminds me of Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that's pretty like, good. Russ is the guy that looks Damn. his best when he doesn't have the best supporting cast around him. When was the year that Russell Westbrook was the MVP? It was when nobody else was on the Thunder. James Harden was gone. And yeah, Victor Oladipo. Again, the year that, that nobody else was on the Thunder. And the reason is because he was the one that was highlighted. And we weren't talking about his deficiencies. We weren't talking about the fact that his team won like 45 games that year and had no chance of competing for any sort of title. It was just fun to watch him because he's different. He's unique. He's athletic in a way that very few basketball players are. The same is true of Lamar. Lamar is a limited football player. But what Lamar does well is unlike anything I've ever seen in the NFL. I've never seen anybody that plays the way that Lamar Jackson does. Michael Vick is probably the closest thing, but even that's a little stylistically different than what we watch from Lamar. Lamar is a strange combination of 
running like this this modern offense that I didn't think would work in the NFL, but he does so at such a high level, and he is so unbelievably elusive that he makes it work. And the Ravens are the rare team that actually bought into what he does, and they made their entire offense built around it. All of that's great, but there are limitations to it. You get into the playoffs, and we've seen what he does, whether it's against, I think the first one was against the Chargers, and then it was against the Titans, or any game that he plays against the Chiefs where we know what it's going to look like. He's going to throw for like 200 yards. He's going to rush for 100, but a lot of that's going to be hollow because it comes in garbage time when the Ravens have no real chance to win. He's going to have moments in this game. I will never forget when he was, I think it was Alex Okafor, who he yeah, broke he his ankle. He broke his ankles. He had to. He's going to have another one of the, those types of plays in this game. It's going to happen. But they'll, be, because, but they'll be down 17 when it happens. And that's exactly what happened last time around. So Lamar, great player. I'm not trying to take anything away from him because that dude is special as a talent. But there's only so high for the ceiling for what he's trying to accomplish when he plays in the same conference as Patrick Mahomes. You're, you're right. I, I think Russ, Russ at least has attempted to get better as a shooter. Ben just doesn't even try. So that that that, that is at least. But I mean, Russ looks. Russ probably shoots the same way he did coming out of UCLA. And Lamar looks like he's at Louisville when he's throwing the ball. I mean, I just. He's, I mean, he still seems the same. The same guy. Don't shake your head. I mean, he he couldn't hit Sammy Watkins for a four yard throw. He right hit in front Sammy of Watkins him. down the field for a forty yard gain, and it was a beautiful pass. It's just inconsistent. He, he's inconsistent then, with it. Oh, people don't, yeah, don't so think about it. Is 90 percent of the quarterbacks in the NFL are inconsistent. Lamar's is okay, least well, exceptional at one thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but but then it's easy. Well, okay, let's make him throw. Let's make him throw, and we've got an offense that's going to force him to. And the, I don't know, man. It's it's it's. I I don't I don't feel nervous at all, or to think I'm jinxing or one. Oh, I'm telling you right now. I said it to you guys before. If the Browns played the Ravens ten times, I could see the Browns. I could see either one of the teams winning six six games. I mean, it'd be it'd be an even thing. If the Chiefs played the Ravens ten times, like I, I'd be shocked if the Chiefs didn't beat them nine times. I think it's at least Browns personally. I, I just, I think that the thing that's sometimes disappointing I don't respect you as a person. I just want to, <laughs> just want to put that out there, Steve. <laughs> It's not personal. I think like it can be, but I just that's just where I am in my walk right now. Just sometimes I just don't respect you. I think person. the thing that's disappointing, and I'm just going to cut in here and just uh, blow right through that statement. Uh, I think the thing that's disappointing if you're a Chiefs fan is like, we're all waiting for, for that team to step up, right? That quarterback to step up. Yeah, you saw it last week. That's fair. Um, but we want somebody to be able to go head-to-head that's going to make us sweat, right? At that, as Chiefs fans, we're like, man, who's that guy that's going to be the next threat to Mahomes in the AFC? Because Brady's been that guy. Br- Brady right now is head to head, the only rival that exists for Patrick Mahomes. But Brady's only going to play for so long. Mahomes is going to play for the next 15 years if he wants to, 20 years if he wants to. So who's going to be the next guy? And there was a time when Lamar was going to be that guy. I remember being in. At Arrowhead Stadium for that 2019 Ravens game, and uh, I was talking to Therese afterwards, and Therese was convinced this was going to be the rivalry. It was going to be Mahomes versus Lamar, and the the show that we got that day was going to be something that we would see moving forward. And and I love Therese Paler more than anything in the world, 
I, I disagreed with the assessment then, and, and I still do today. I just don't think that the Ravens are going to be that team. I don't think Lamar is going to be that quarterback. If you're going to see one of these guys be that, I don't think it's Lamar. I don't think it's Josh Allen. I think the guys that have the best chance to do so because of what their infrastructure is right now, I think Baker's got a chance because of Cleveland and the way that they have built that roster. I don't think Baker's going to be the reason why, but his team has a chance. And I think the Chargers are the only other team that I see right now that has any chance of doing so. And that that's I think that's where we're at today. I hope that somebody else emerges, but that's where we're at today. And 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 also depending on where Mr. Nasty goes. Uh he's the other one because you always thought Deshaun. that yeah, Deshaun was was going to be the one that could like uh, to me I always felt that was the group that he was the guy. But hell we we saw him in week 1 last year, but I, I'd argue he had a hand and an arm and three fingers tied behind his back yeah. with what he was dealing with around him. And now, hell, he's what he's dealing with himself, which is an entire different conversation. But, no, I, I agree with you. The, the Ravens just aren't – even their best team, if they were fully healthy, they're just – it's just a matchup thing. Like, we've seen it in boxing. Like, certain, like certain guys can beat uh, – uh, uh, Joe Frazier and Joe Frazier can't beat you know George Foreman, but Foreman lost to Muhammad Ali. Just styles match, and 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 I just think the Ravens for them, the Chiefs are the worst matchup that they can possibly have. All right, we don't have a lot of time because this podcast ran super long, and so I do not have a lot of time for Steve's Corner or Fantasy Minute or whatever the hell we call this thing this week. So I got to burn through it, McCole Hardman been not dominant against the Baltimore Ravens, but if you could bank on McCole Hardman being a consistent player at all throughout his entire career, which he has never been, he has been that so far in two matchups against the Baltimore Ravens. They like to play a lot of man coverage. They like to blitz a lot. That frees McCole Hardman up for deep touchdowns. He keeps finding a way to do it against the Baltimore Ravens. I think he does it again this week. He is not a guy I would put in over general starters, but he is a guy, if I'm thin at wide receiver or in my daily lineup, I would take a chance on McColl this week. Give him a chance in your daily lineups. I think he's got a chance to have a long touchdown. That was Steve's Fantasy Minute. More show and BK next. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's 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 get a, a, a deeper breakdown here, BK, and it, and let's kind of look at it from the standpoint of when the Ravens and the Chiefs have the ball. Let's start with the Chiefs. When the Chiefs have the ball, I think it, it all starts with Patrick Mahomes and and what he does. And and quite quite frankly, the Chiefs have become, and I think it's really all because of him. They've become the team that we've always hated. Like, like, like fans of, of Kansas City teams, sports teams, they're, they, they, the Chiefs have become – you're the team now that is the team that just seems like things just happen 
whether you cause it yourself by your skill level or the other team feels possessed for moments to allow you to win. Like it's happened to the Patriots for years. It's happened to like Jeter's Yankees where, uh, where, where teams would just self-destruct themselves and allow them to win. And you're like, how the hell did they win that game? It, I mean, Duke basketball, it's happened. The Chiefs are that team. The Chiefs are that team where they look dead in the water and then a punter can't catch the ball that snapped right to him. That's routine. and sets you up perfectly. Like, this is where the Chiefs are, and I think a lot of it has to do with Patrick Mahomes and how good he is and the fear he puts in a lot of people. I've seen a lot of Patrick Mahomes stats over the last three seasons. This is the one that took my breath away, unlike any of the others. Wow, what a tease this is. After Sunday's win against the Browns, Patrick Mahomes is now 9-2 in his last 11 games in which he has trailed by double digits at any point in that game, including the postseason. Patrick Mahomes wins 80%, 85% of the games in which his team goes down by double digits, Ron. Winning 85% of your games, period, starting 0-0, being up by 10 points, in any scenario, is an incredible feat. Doing many so- of the many of them have occurred in the playoffs, which is which is even crazier because the because of the, the the situation. Being down by ten points is a death knell in the NFL. It, you shouldn't rarely win those games. The best quarterbacks in NFL history typically win them. I think I saw Joe Montana's at like thirty five percent. Brady's at like forty percent. Patrick Mahomes is doubling up the best quarterbacks that we have ever seen play the sport in terms of. The last 11 times he's gone down by at least double-digit points, he wins those games. Nobody does that, man. Nobody. So the thing that you were just talking about, that we were just talking about with Lamar, where he he can't come back in those spots, that's when Mahomes is at his best. When he's got his back against the wall and he knows, I got to make a play happen here. Hell or high water, I got to find a way to come back in this game. He does it every time. And that's where what you're talking about with the Chiefs being that team now That's where it comes from, because everybody that was watching that game on Sunday, there was maybe a minute where people felt like the Browns were actually going to win. Oh, I I had that moment. I said, oh, man, they're going to I think they're going to lose this game when the when the when they got it to 22 to 20 and they couldn't kick it, they couldn't get it in and they had to kick a field goal. And then the Browns marched that puppy right down to take it 29 20. I was in the bag at this point with several glasses of wine, but I was like. Boy, they I was like, the Chiefs gonna fool around and lose this game. And then Do you know Tim how long T- that lasted? Tim Tebow's things just started to happen. Like I I took a blink and then Patrick Mahomes threw a punt up that should have been intercepted. It hit right to hit Tyreek right in the hands. And 75 yards later, I'm sitting there like, what in the hell? Yeah, I never believed. I love my Browns. I never believed for a second they were going to win that football game. You didn't? You're a liar and a half. No, not for a second. I never for a second because Mahomes does that time and time again. He does things that you're not supposed to be able to do, and that's why defenses just can't do anything about it because he does something – in it, whereas like Baker throwing that interception at the end of the game where he was getting sacked and falling to the ground, it was a desperation heave to try to keep the game alive. 
if that's Mahomes, that's a bullet to the wide receiver's chest. Well, if that's Mahomes, no, if that's Mahomes, somehow Daniel Sorenston would trip before reaching him and would have never gotten his hand on him, or there have been some sort of an ACL tear by somebody, or a roll. Or Juan Thornhill bobbles the ball and it hits the ground. Yeah, uh, yeah, something. Yeah, something gets dropped. Like they're becoming this team where just things start to happen, and you're just like, oh, come on. How in the world did that happen? It's happening, but I do think it all started with him and the fear that teams have in him. A hundred percent. I mean, you see it every week. Teams go for fourth down against the Chiefs, unlike anything they do. I I would love to look this up. Sometime I will. But the, the teams that go for fourth down against the Chiefs, they are so much more aggressive against Kansas City than anybody else because they know they have to. And I think this is part of it. You go, you look back like 2015 Royals, right? One thing they did is they, they ran like hell and they put so much damn pressure on your defense to make the perfect play that how many different times, Ron, did we see teams make just silly, ridiculous plays in the postseason against the Royals because they felt like they had to make it now, 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 now. And they weren't used to having to do that. Well, and we would see it with them because the bullpen and they knew they had, they couldn't, they couldn't be behind in the sixth. Because I know, I know, uh, Serta uh, has no idea what we're talking about, but they couldn't be. Nah, they, I'm just ignoring this and waiting for my turn to talk. I know it. I, I, they couldn't. They couldn't get down in the six because of that bullpen, and they knew it was lights out once they Wade Davis and Madsen and Herrera and Holland before his arm died. Like they knew, they knew they had to. They had to get the lead or not be trailing by that time, or it was it was over. So, so no. the urgency at all times. And that's how teams feel from the moment that things are kicked off against the Chiefs. You know, it is about 60 minutes of just playing the best games of our lives. And if there is one thing, one thing that goes wrong for us, that's where Mahomes attacks. And if it's an injury or a punter that forgets to catch the football or Baker throwing a weird ass interception, whatever it is, there's something, there's something that will happen over the course of the game. And it's enough for Mahomes to be like, you know what? This is my moment to throw a 75 yard touchdown through the air to Tyreek Hill. And then it's enough for him three plays after that to throw a touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey. Like this team just with Patrick Mahomes, they always believe they're going to win. And 80% of the time, even when they're down by 10 points at some point in the game, they have. And so they have every reason to believe it's real. It's it's not just like them saying we believe we're going to win. They actually go out there and do it. Well, and these these things that we're talking about where like these crazy circumstantial things happen where easy interceptions are dropped or the punter drops a snap for no reason that helps kind of turn the tide of the game. All of that stuff is because of what he's done so far in his NFL career. And so like even the prime Patriots where they were similar and you were like, if we make one mistake, we're screwed. Like we're going to lose this football game. That team, you at least had a strategy on how to beat them, like how to beat Brady. It was always rush four, rush four, get to Brady, put up points. Don't turn the football over. You can still do all of that against Mahomes. And then like the Browns did in week one, like, well, like they played for three and a half quarters or, or three, 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 yeah, three and a half quarters where they were perfect. And then as soon as it unraveled, 
he made you pay in about two and a half minutes. <laughs> that that was it. Like it, it's insane. It doesn't make any sense. And he does, and he does what like Brady d- does and has done in the past. He inspires people also to make crazy play. Like I think he inspired Mike Daniels to get that pick, just like uh, like Brady inspired uh, Malcolm Butler all of a no- out of nowhere to make plays. And we've seen it for, like other guys just all of a sudden make plays. I don't think that. The Daniels would have got that pick in the second quarter, but in the fourth quarter, when it happened, he's he's inspired like this. Yeah, this this cat is is nuts, and it's and it's crazy that that the Chiefs, a team from this area, is that team now, where other cities just look at and just say, "How in the hell did that happen?" You gotta be kidding me. The punter couldn't 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 just hold on to a perfect snap. And they're that they're that team, and it, and it and it all started when Patrick Mahomes arrived here. By the way, one quick thing to finish this out, just in terms of previewing the the Ravens game for Mahomes, this is the matchup that he has dominated so far in his career. Yeah, in his yeah, three crazy. games against them, he has ten touchdowns, one interception, and his three uh, passing yardage totals from those three games: three hundred and eighty-five yards, three hundred and seventy-five yards. And 375 yards. And it was he's only 375 because they stopped. Yeah. They, his, he's gone for over 1,000 yards in the three games against this Ravens team. So I, I, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say he's going to have a good game. against His worst party. performance against this team was the first time he ever played them when he led them on a overtime victory. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah that they, they yeah this dude's nuts. All right, when they have the ball, when the Chiefs have the ball, also besides Mahomes, somebody that uh, that BK is absolutely about to have some sort of worry f- fiasco with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, wasn't great in uh, in Week One, but I, I think not necessarily him running the ball, but him just being productive all around can be important for this team and uh, you would hope he picks it up better than he did in week one we ready to have a conversation about our guy Clyde I, I, I feel like you're I feel like you're ready to have a different conversation I than Clyde the rest was of fine in week one the Browns have a good run defense oh lord I did not um Clyde missed a lot of opportunities in that game and I hope he has a great game against the Ravens, but this is another situation where the Ravens have a very good run defense. Their defensive line is incredibly stout. Their linebackers are probably the weakness of the defense on the interior, but they've got some big dudes on the outside that are not afraid to set the edge. I was expecting a lot more out of Clyde in week one, and I think it's twofold. Uh, First of all, I thought he was going to be better in the running game. I thought he was going to be more efficient with the touches that he got. Second of all, I thought he was going to be more involved just as a playmaker. When you go into week one, and that's typically the game where Andy Reid's like, all right, here's what we've been working on this offseason. I'm going to show you not everything, but a lot of stuff to be able to put it on film so that way our next opponents have to see all of it. How much did we see really schemed up for Clyde in that game? We saw some stuff schemed up for McColl. We saw some stuff schemed up for Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I didn't see a whole lot of stuff outside of like the new running game that we've talked so much about with some of the, the power schemes and the gap schemes. But we didn't see a whole lot that was there that was like, oh, here's how they're going to utilize uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire in space. And I, if you can say one thing about this this coaching staff, 
they are very good at knowing who they should and should not utilize. They're pretty smart with that stuff. If they're not utilizing Clyde in the way that, that you think that they should, there's probably a reason for it. And it's probably because they don't trust him the way that we do on the outside. I'm officially at this point worried, not terrified, not saying he's going to be a bust. I'm worried that Clyde is average. And if Clyde is average, you used a first round pick on somebody that gives you no real schematic advantage. And it's going to, we're going to look back on it and say, man, that, that was a mistake. So I hope I'm proven completely wrong on this. It's one week of against a really good defense, as Serta said. But there are worrisome trends here that have shown up in the past, and I thought they were going to be better because he's starting to get healthier now, and it did not look good for him in week one in my mind. Yeah, some of it is the game dic- dictated it. I mean, and I mean they're down twenty-two to ten, you know, in the first half. At some point, and, and you know, Andy already loves to throw the ball anyway. That that they were going to be putting it up, but I would have thought that he would have had more than three catches. I would have thought maybe he'd be involved in he, he, at least in that in that point in the passing game, um, you know, three yards of carry is, is not great for him. Uh, we'll see what he does week to week. I thought he would be more of an impact guy and I, than he was in week one. Like there's 16 more of these left. But I think the part about him where he was drafted is the part where average ain't you expect more than average if that's what he is. You expect more, especially where he got drafted. And you don't ever really draft running backs. You shouldn't. And I didn't think the Chiefs needed to draft a running back in the first round. I mean, hell, I, right now at this point, I feel like I, you know, there was a corner there that, that feels like you could look at that and say there are some other things they could have used. Especially, I think a lot of a lot of this comes from what you felt like it was going to be as soon as he was drafted. Oh, my God, this is unfair. Boy, this is the perfect fit for this offense, a guy that can run and catch the ball out of the backfield. And at this point, you really haven't seen it yet. And in game one, sometimes you forget he was out there. So I I get that point for me from where he was drafted. I, I don't know if I'm in serious conversation based off of game one, but based off where he was drafted and what it felt like he was going to be, he does. He does seem to be falling pretty short of that. Yeah, I, I hope we see more of that uh, this week. His utilization in the passing game, because this is a team where you can do some of that stuff. Uh, the the Ravens, like I said, they they really like blitzing, and that means you're going to have opportunities to get your running back matched up on some of those linebackers. Last year, this was one of Clyde's best games. It was his most productive game in the passing game in terms of yardage. He had five catches for seventy yards. If he's able to do something like that in this game, okay, I feel better about it. But week one did not give me a whole lot of reasons for optimism. And I, I again, am rooting for me to be wrong on this. But I had so much hope going into the season that Clyde was going to be a legit difference maker. And through the first week, I just I saw the same guy that I saw last year. And that's disappointing. Well, I mean, if we look at it and as we continue, is when the Chiefs had the ball against the Ravens, this is, I mean, a place to segue with some of Clyde's issues up front. With the with the guys up front, particularly the guy who you you traded and, and and moved heaven and earth to go get bring over on your left side, that guy with the bad number, Orlando Brown, who will be facing his old team. I mean, uh, you would think he could pick it up. I'd like. I remember we've talked about this. Like, I expect this cat to be better than Eric Fisher, and it it felt 
real Eric Fisher-esque to me watching him in the game Sunday. And, and like, I just like this dude's got to be better than this, in my opinion. I'm not saying he was awful, but you just feel like he's got to be better than what he's putting out. And it's just there's not a sense of more comfort on that side than I thought it was going to be when they brought him in. I thought the O-line in general was pretty solid uh, in that one. They, they're going up against a, a brutal matchup. I mean, that that Browns defensive line is going to give uh, – it's going to cause hell for a lot of teams this year. And I thought they did o- overall pretty well. There were some moments of the running game where it didn't look pretty, and you can tell this is a new offensive line that needs to come together. But on Orlando Brown Jr. in particular, I think the issue was he lost so fast on certain reps. It wasn't that he lost. It was how quickly he lost. Well, it I looks mean, like it he didn't like, have a chance at times. Yeah, and the ball is snapped, and Miles Garrett's already turning the corner, ready to knock Patrick Mahomes' head off. That's what you can't have. If you're going to lose, that's fine. Lose slow. Give yourself a chance. Lose with you having at least an, a chance to punch out. There were moments where it looked like he barely got out of his stance when the defensive end was ready to be at the quarterback, and that's what you cannot have moving forward. He's got to be better at, at, at being able to get that kick slide going quicker, that was always going to be the biggest transition for Orlando Brown. This is not something he did a lot of in Baltimore. It's a totally different offense for him. And I saw a lot of people citing the fact that he already had a career high in hurries given up. Yeah, can we talk percentages? Because I don't remember the last time that you saw Lamar Jackson throw the ball 36 times the way that yeah. Patrick Mahomes did in this. It's one. a change. Of course. Yeah, of course he's going to have more hurries allowed because there's more dropbacks that he's going to be involved in. But in general, I would like to see him better in this game. The Ravens do not have anybody like Miles Garrett. They don't even have anybody as talented as Jadeveon Clowney when he's healthy. So you should see a better game out of Orlando Brown Jr. He's going to be highly motivated in this one. Uh, I, I think you're going to see a better version of him this week than you did last week. That was the thing that was telling to me is like <laughs> – the the Browns last week they weren't even trying to match up Miles Garrett against the weaker tackle. They just said, "Hell, these guys are these guys have the both same ability to get beat the same way." So hell, it doesn't matter who lines up on them. Like they weren't even trying to line up to take advantage of matchups. I remember watching Miles Garrett play against the Texans last year, and they just started avoiding Laramie Tunzel at times and just putting him up on the other side. They didn't do that. <laughs> they they didn't care. They just lined him up wherever wherever you you're gonna go line up is a, it's a pretty similar uh, matchup for you guys, and that that's got to pick up with Orlando Brown. All right, the final thing is um, this is the Ravens, and there is one player that seems to really show his ass in a good way against the Ravens, and that is McCole Hardman. And uh, there's no team that he plays and gets up for more than the Ravens. Um, And we'll see how the game dictates things. But for some reason, what we see with the Ravens, they seem to say, all right, we're going to do the best we can to to not allow it to be easy for Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. And they seem to be willing to give up things with other guys. And, And McCole Hardman in the past has benefited from that. And you would hope that that happens again on Sunday. Yeah, the wide receiver three conversation was not a problem for the Chiefs on Sunday because they didn't need one. They had every bit what they needed from Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And I'm just going to go ahead and include Travis Kelsey in the wide receiver conversation for uh, for these purposes. 
this weekend, you're going to need somebody else to step up because the Ravens are the type of team that they'll put Marlon Humphrey on one guy and just let Marlon Humphrey go to work because he's spectacular, one of the better corners, and he can play anywhere in all of football. The question is, who else is going to step up? And in the past, the answer has been McCole Hardman. Credit where it's due. Uh, last year in this game against the Ravens, he had four catches for 81 yards, including, I think, a 70-yard touchdown. Uh, and then the year before, he had two catches for 97 yards, including a long touchdown as well. McCole has stepped up in a big way in the last two perf- two performances that he's had against Baltimore. He does things against this defense that they are completely unprepared for. This is the game where he's got to come out with a game-breaking play. If he doesn't in this one, I'm not sure what his usage is moving forward, but th- this is the type of game that he should live for. He did not have a good game against the Browns at all from start to finish. It was not good for McColl. It looked like the same guy that we had seen previously, and he forgot his helmet on the sidelines to go out there for a punt return. He was. And just- that happens. Dave Dove confirmed that he did. He did, in fact, wear Tyreek Hill's helmet on a punt return. Yeah, and Dave Tobe's a dirty dog for having to admit that there was no reason for him to throw him <laughs> under the bus. Like they that. said it on the broadcast, man. No That's reason. on you. But, no, McCole, but Dave doesn't have to confirm it. McCole, hell, yeah. Hell, yeah, hell yeah, he did. Hell yeah, it's, he did. It's McCole against the world. It's clear, and including his own guys. No, he's got to pick it up. He's got to pick He'll it play up better. now. Now, I, I, I will say this. If Tyreek and Travis are going to be open like they were and dominant like they were, I'm not going to sit there and complain and say, hey, McColl's got to get the ball more. Because there are just times where he better throw it to those two guys. Like, I, like there were routes. I don't know if you call it. There were routes I watched where McColl was open, but so was Tyreek, and he just threw it to Tyreek. Was McColl where yeah. he was supposed to be? There was yes, there in particular. I, you always throw it to Tyreek over McCall. Well, I'm just saying in particular, okay. there was there was um uh, it was a big third down where where um it was late in the game, a big third down where he hit Tyreek real quick. Um and he was open, but but McCall Hardman was coming across on a dig route with nobody around him. And it was four, I think it was like fourth and three, and he could have hit him easily, but yeah, throw it to him. Like down by the by the field or down in the red zone, throw it to Kelsey right there. Like you should do that. So some of it is going to be if teams are going to play Kelsey and heal the way they did or get open the way they did, you better go there. But it seems like the Ravens, at their history, really hunker down and say we're going to try to make these other catch beaters because Demarcus Robinson has had some games also as well yep. against those teams. So. Uh, it, it, there should be some openings for them cats, and they've got like they've got two corners down already, including their best one, uh, in my opinion. I think Peters. I would take Peters over. Um, what's forty four's name? That Humphrey. bad corner. Yeah, yeah, Marlon Humphrey. But uh, Humphrey's the bad com- yeah. corner. He's he's, he's outstanding. He's I said the, the bad number. I, said the <laughs> oh, okay. bad. I hate forty four. That is stupid, a bad number. That's a stupid corner number. No, he's he's a really really good player. I just hate that that number but uh but it'll be interesting but no I, i'm with you like i'm not gonna yeah i'm, I'm team mccall but you well know, you gotta come with more than 19 well, damn yards would you prefer mccall have like one long touchdown in this game or him have like six catches where it just looks like he's in the right spot all the time and, and he's like 
actually running the right routes and his timing with Mahomes is good because I feel like that's more beneficial than him having a long touchdown. I think he is going to have a long touchdown in this game because the Ravens secondary is just falling apart right now. And they're going to key in on Kelsey and Hill that sets up for McColl to easily have, you know, a 50, 60 yard touchdown, but I would much rather him go like, five for 75 and get like 10, 12 yards and just I, looks like he's got some kind of sync with Mahomes going. I just want him to, to impact the game. Now the impact, the game could be a 70 yard touchdown. The impact, the game could be five or six catches for 70, 80 yards. I just, I just want him to impact the game more. And especially if he has the opportunities to do it. And I don't think he impacted the game as much in, in, in week one against the Browns. Yeah, Ron, to your point earlier about you wouldn't have wanted to see Patrick Mahomes throwing it more to McColl in that game. Anyways, that that's kind of how I feel about this game coming up. If if Tyreek and Kelsey, and it's very rare that this happens, but if it were to happen, if they were covered for the vast majority of the game, that's where Serta, your game, the five for 75, that's going to be more significant in that type of a spot because you're going to need somebody else to be able to move the chains consistently for you. Whereas if those guys are still able to get theirs, and I fully expect that they will be able to, then the one for 75 that goes for a touchdown, that might be what they need out of him in this particular game. I think the disappointment against the Browns is that he could have had either of those kinds of games, and it would have been super helpful for them in that particular game, and he wasn't able to accomplish either. So uh, in this one, regardless of what it is, he just needs to be a net positive whenever he's out on the field. And far too often in his career thus far, it is no longer early. You're in year three of a four-year contract. You're the um, starter. You're, you're, you're getting the reps that you've been asking for. Now it's time for you to show up in these spots. So against the Ravens, I don't care what kind of a game it is. Just be a net positive out there and make an impact on the game and make sure that Chiefs fans remember you're out there. And yeah. not because you forgot your helmet. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's when the that's when the Chiefs have the ball. No reason for you to have taken that shot. Uh, that says when the Chiefs have the ball. When the Ravens have the ball, I think the big key and the big thing is this is the return of I think their their leader, their uh, not just their defensive leader, but their emotional and uh, and ver- vocal leader, Tyron Matthew, who missed the first game, uh, and it felt like obviously when you watch the Chiefs defense, they missed him. Um, but in particular in this matchup, like the Swiss the Swiss Army knife that he is. Uh, someone who can come down that can affect the run game and affect the tight ends that they like to use with Andrews and stuff. He's really, really key in this matchup, and and you need the all-pro Tyron Matthew uh, to play in this game like he has before. He's huge, man, and I think we saw against the Browns just how significant it is when you don't have him out there. It became pretty clear pretty early on. They were splitting up his role to – multiple different guys defensively. I mean, you saw a bunch of dudes that were out there. Um, I, I mean, it it was split up beti- between safeties and corners and linebackers. Armani Watts got some playing time out there for him. That's not something you would typically see uh, from them. It, it was a, a big game that they could have used him. I'm really glad they decided not to. I think it was the right call to sit him on ice. And now you've got him going into week two, fully prepared, rested, ready to go. This is the type of game where you might just spy, uh, you might just spy Tyron Matthew against a guy like Lamar Jackson all game long. Just say, Mm. Tyron, that would be the way you would use him. 
Maybe, maybe, because they don't have anybody that scares me really outside. I mean, and not as, outside, but Andrew Andrews is uh, that's he's the one that scares me, and that's that's the best place that Lamar throws it in the middle of sure. the field to him. Uh, now Juan Thornhill has played his tail off, and maybe you feel better. Like like to me, I'd almost put a corner on Mark Andrews. Uh, I would think about it with the other guys they have out there, but. Um, but that that's the only places to maybe but I think but see that's that's the thing. I don't think you just use them in one way which they generally don't. Sure. I think you mix him up and use him. You don't know where he's gonna be. Maybe he's covering Andrews at times or he's blitzing or he's shadowing Lamar. I, I think you shake it up with him. Absolutely. He'll play the middle of the field at times, he'll be on uh, whoever the number one receiver is, if they're lined up in the slot at times, you're gonna see him spying Lamar. He's gonna be all over the place, he's gonna blitz at times. And that's what makes him so unique is all of those things that you saw four different guys doing last week. He's now going to be able to do them. The other thing that he brings to the table, and I talked about this with Serta last week on the pod when you weren't here for week one of the NFL season, Ron, was doing here? <laughs> um, he's the we guy won. that commute. Week one, the first week. What are we doing here? This is ridiculous. It's all right. They, they just played the second best team in the AFC. It wasn't a big the, game. The, the first games of the season. He's the guy that communicates with everybody else in a secondary that is communication is incredibly important for them because they are so multidimensional on the back end. So having him back is a huge, huge get for the Chiefs. Having him and Frank Clark back this week, Ron, I should be a big boon for this. Is Cadillac defense. Frank going to play? Sounds like it. He's yeah. he's He's been participating in all the practices so See, far this week. You know, every, I, every Chiefs player except for Willie Gay, who's on IR, has participated in practice. See, I'm glad I'm glad you kind of brought up from that standpoint because this is my other thought when the Ravens or when the Ravens have the ball is, man, I I I I know that Tyron Matthew is valuable. Like, I, I think we we'll see how valuable he is on Sunday because I, I I understand he was missing and that was a big part of it, but man, my takeaway from the game. Last week, and this is even bigger coming in this week because of the Ravens and how they play. Is it felt like if Chris Jones didn't make a play, that the the Browns were going to run right over them and do whatever they wanted. Like it felt like it came up to ninety five at some point, make a play on a drive. Oh, thank God he got a sack. Now it's second and sixteen, and that kind of ruins the drive. Or or he got like. It felt like to that point, if he, they're so dependent on him. And if he didn't make a play, they were going to be in trouble. And that, that's a bit of a concern. I want to be fair. Frank didn't play, and we'll see what he does. Uh, and I think he would help, obviously. But Frank did play. And then Tyron Matthew, some would argue their best defensive player. I still think Chris Jones, he didn't play. But I, but it'll be interesting to see because. They ran through their their tails. I mean, that wasn't even close. Like, there were times where they were just untouched, nothing. And I'm like, God, man, I know Tyron Matthews a big deal, but, man, that ain't, that ain't got nothing to do with guys just getting their asses kicked up front. And then and, – and and that so it, it that's the only thing is how dependent are they on 95? Because it felt like if he didn't make a play, the Browns were going to get whatever they wanted. And there were times when he was not particularly good against the run either. Uh, Chris yeah, yeah, Jones had – 
he had an up and down game in the fourth quarter. He dominated. He looked like the Chris Jones that we saw much of the preseason that all the hype was there for him potentially to be the defensive player of the year and the, the matchups that we talked about them putting him up against tackles and then moving him inside when they need to on passing downs. He, he looked like that dude all of a sudden, but he was really quiet for the first two and a half, three quarters of that game. They're going to need more from him. And if you've got that, the hope would be if you're a Chiefs fan, now that you have Frank Clark coming back, potentially, that should mean less attention to Chris Jones. And that should be better for both of their defensive end spots. And say what you will about Frank, and I'm sure you'll you'll kind of attack back on this, Ron, because that's what you do. I get it. But Frank no, Clark. Ain't on Frank. Go ahead. Frank Clark is pretty darn good against the run. He is stout. He holds a strong edge. And against a, against a team like the Ravens, that is super important. And if they had him against the Browns, I do think you would have seen some of those plays that ended up going for long gains. They would have been stopped. It, it wouldn't have necessarily been in the backfield, but Frank snuffs those out for three, four, five yards instead of going. Well, for 15, I don't, I don't dispute yards. that. I don't dispute that. I, they're a better team with Frank out there. Yeah. Um, uh, but I mean, it's not like to me, Frank's impact isn't like gaining Matthew's impact. Agreed. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, and his impact certainly isn't what he's getting paid. Right. So like, Agreed there too. But that's, that's the point where, where he can go on disappearances at times too. So, uh, we'll see. It, it felt like week one understanding they didn't have, you know, Frank and Tyron Matthew, it just felt like week one, they are so dependent on Chris Jones making a play for that defense to, to work um, even more than I thought it was when you weren't here. And we did the podcast two weeks ago when I said that, that Chris Jones, um, like he, like he's There's, so, he has to work for this defense to work. Um, it felt that's when you take vacations. Yeah, the, the last week of the preseason when they didn't have a game. Sorry, Ron. Yeah, uh, Sorry, look, man. Look, look here. What are we doing? My goodness. All right. I mean, what, I told you. One of the weeks, the games count. One of the weeks, the games don't count for anything. Because they literally didn't happen. There were no games. I mean, there were I, no I, games. I really hate to pull this card because I only have a little time to pull it. You all aren't married. You just don't know. Um, I'm about to be. That's why I was gone. It was my bachelor party, brother. About, <laughs> about to be 18 years in the game. About to be 18 years in the game. All right. About to be 18 years in a game. You ain't in it. I'm in it. <laughs> That's right. All right. Can we can we slide to this? Because I, I, I really did want to have this conversation with you, fellas. We've seen this go around um, when USC did what they should have done last year, fired Clay Hilton, which was so idiotic. Last year, why five they, years ago. I'm just saying, why if, if a guy's on a two-year, a two-game le uh, leash, why the hell did you not fire him before? That means he had to have gone remember the Titans, Herman Boone, undefeated huh. for him to keep his job. So, I mean, so, but what's been floated around is Eric Bienemy, uh, Adam, uh, Adam Schefter of ESPN said Eric Bienemy is going to be potentially a, a candidate for this. And this is a place he's told uh, people that are close to him that would be of interest to him as a college job. And here's my thing with Eric Bienemy, fellas. If he wants the USC job, more power to it. I can see how it can be a good, a really good job. It's, it's arguably when you look at what Pete Carroll did with it, arguably the closest thing to the NF to an NFL job that college has to offer. You're in LA. 
Um, hell, before the Rams and Chargers were there, you were the, the football team. But you're in L.A., you're in a big city, and you get to recruit and I have all that. If he wants that gig, then I more power to him because I can see him being very successful. I can see him putting a lot of life in that program. I think he would be a hell of a recruiter. He knows the area. He's from the area. He knows college. He's coached in college. But from my time in Kansas City, I've always known from folks that I've talked to that Eric Bieniemy's dream is to be an NFL head coach. Like that's what I've always heard. And if he wants to do to do that, then man, don't take it. I mean, my my thing with the USC thing, he should not have to go to USC to prove himself. He should not have to sit there and wait and take that job uh, as opposed to other guys getting some of the jobs that they've gotten over him in the NFL. So my thing is, if he wants to go to USC and he feels like that's the move he wants to make for his family because you could see it, the more power to it. If he wants to be an NFL coach and that's his dream, I hope to God he hasn't just said, I've just got to throw my hands up in the air because it's not going to work because every roadblock and BS lie that is put out in front of me uh, as an excuse um, seems to be happening. And I'm just going to go to a place where maybe I can go and make the best of it and not really follow my dream. I hope that's not why he would take the USC job. He shouldn't have to take the USC job. It's kind of what you're getting at, right? If he wants it, go for it. Please take yeah, it. If he, it's a good gig. It's a it's a legit. It's one of the top six probably college football jobs in America. If that's what you want to do with your life, Eric Bieniemy, by all means, God bless you. Go do it and have success in doing so. But it shouldn't be required. That shouldn't be what is necessary for him to be able to get a head coaching gig. He should be able to be a a candidate and frankly should get a head coaching job next year. And Ron, as I look around the league right now, and you look at some of the potential openings, like we'll see what happens with urban Meyer, but it seems at least possible that he's a one and done out in Jacksonville. That'd be a good gig. I mean, you you've got one of the best young quarterback prospects in the last two decades in the sport, Cincinnati. I have no idea what's going on with their coach. I'm not sure the vast majority of football fans know what their coach's name is right now. Um, but Zachy. since, Zach there Wilson. you go. Or not Taylor. Zach. It's not Zach Wilson. God. <laughs> Zach Taylor. But I don't know if he's going to be long for that job either. And Joe Burrow is a good quarterback to be able to work with. I don't think Matt Nagy is going to last past this season if he doesn't get Justin Fields out there quickly. So that's another good job potentially in Chicago with a quarterback in place that I like. I don't know if Eric Pienemy does or not, but I would imagine he probably does. And then the other one that I would throw into the mix that we'll see, but if Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have a good year this year out in Arizona, they could easily move on from him as well. And now you've got Kyler Murray, the chance to work with him down in Arizona. There are some good jobs available, and they're good jobs because they have quarterbacks. That's what you want if you're a first-year head coach somewhere. And Eric Bieniemy should be one of the top candidates on any of those lists to be able to come work with those first uh, those young quarterbacks. So I, I hope he's able to get a head coaching job. If he wants it to be USC, more power to him, but it shouldn't be necessary for him to go down to that level. No, uh, no. I mean, quite frankly, and, and people like to throw, like, what is it? We've just never, ever, 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 ever seen a coach with his resume be interviewed as many times as he's been interviewed for jobs, not get a job. 
Never seen anybody with this. He's got every single thing you would want. He's an offensive-minded coach. He's younger. He's a former player in the league. He's well-connected. Who is he Who is he coaching under? Andy Reid. What's the success rate of Andy Reid coaches? Really good. What have been the guys who held the position? What have they done prior to him? Won a Super Bowl and got to the playoffs twice with Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback. Now, Matt Nagy, I'm not saying is is – is is a great coach, but a lot of guys go look at go look at Belichick's uh, disciples. They uh, they would dream. Matt Patricia would dream to have been what Matt Nagy was, right? I mean, it, it, every single piece, right? Like, oh no, he's got a bad history. Urban Meyer got a job. I mean, come on, let, let's let's go dig into his right his past. Matt Patricia, remember that whole thing? Yeah, like, I mean, we we've seen this before. He he's not alone, and and I'm my, not trying to like cover up for it but a lot a lot of the coaches that not a lot some of the coaches that have been hired in recent years also have a history it's that is not the only thing that is preventing him from getting a head coaching job and and i'd like to get out the one that really really chaps my ass and that is boy he's got to be a bad interviewer what what was dan campbell's interview process like i'm serious what was dan campbell like we listened to eric Bieniemy. Every day, however you say it, and sometimes I think people throw too much into this, but he sounds like a head coach. He sounds like a leader. Like you say, that guy who interviews in that, what is he all of a sudden doing? Talking like J.J. Walker from Good Times when he gets in these interview rooms? I mean, what well, what happens? How does he change? How does that guy who we listen to speak then go in front of guys and not be able to give an interview process of what Dan Campbell has? Like I, so that that's the one that really chaps me is, oh, he's a bad interview. Get out of here. We've never seen anybody be as dominant as the offensive coordinator like he is with what his group is and not had a job. And it's it's we'll see what happens this year. I couldn't believe it. I'm going to tell you something. I'll have a full disclosure. I know of a, a I know of a organization that has said about Eric Bieniemy, he's a little he's a little too rough around the edges for us. The hell's that mean? Like, I mean, what what the hell's that mean? Like, come on, man. So, like I said, if he wants the USC job, it's a good job. I hope he takes it, but I hope he doesn't take it because he feels like that's what he has to take. All right, real quick, we got to hit the game that's sweeping the nation. Imposter or certified or certified or imposter. One you of don't the settle on an order, man. The the game that hey, let's go positive first. The game that is sweeping the nation. Certified or imposter. You're certified, right? Let's get you certified. I'm an imposter. I'm going to go with my man Nick Bolton this week. The rookie from Missouri and and it is hard for me to talk well about Missouri Tigers. Just immediately it makes me nearly vomit, um, which is happening at this moment. But I'm not going to say certified yet, obviously, but he's on the track to it. I was very impressed with what I watched. He doesn't have it all together, but you can look at there and see and say he's going to be a player. In six weeks, he's going to be better than Ben Neiman, a lot better than Ben Neiman. Like he's going to be, and he is fast. You can see, like you can tell, he doesn't quite know exactly what he's doing, but he's he is flying and going around there, and uh, and so I I like where he's going. I think he's on the track from certified, and I can see us in the middle of the season saying Nick Bolton, that kid's certified. 
I like Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton was one of my favorite Missouri Tigers to play over the last decade. He has an incredible story. Um, and anybody that wants to check out more of that, it's been written about a million different times. It's 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 outstanding. Um, Nick Bolton's awesome. And he's going to be a really good player for, for the Chiefs for a long time, I think. I think some people have hyped up his performance in this game. I don't think you did this, Ron, but some people have hyped up his performance in the first week as being more than it was. It was very good. It was very, um, it portends good things moving forward for Nick Bolton. He had some mistakes. He is not a guy that is super fleet of foot. He doesn't change direction incredibly well. There's going to be moments where you want more out of him in coverage. All of that's fine. And the thing that I think the Chiefs saw in him that they liked is that he pairs very well with Willie Gay. The things Willie Gay does well, those are the things Nick Bolton's not great at. The things Nick Bolton does great at, those are the things that Nick uh, Willie Gay maybe fails a little bit at. Let me put it this way. Nick Bolton would have been the perfect linebacker to have next to Derek Johnson during Derek Johnson's prime. Mm-hmm. because he's the type of guy that flies around the football. He sets a hard edge. I saw it three, four, five different times where he was able to lock into it, engage it with a blocker, and th- shed that block, throw him aside, and make a firm tackle for a two-yard gain. Man, how many times have been we been waiting for a Chiefs linebacker to do something like that over the last 15 years? God, like, it's just it's the easy plays that Chiefs linebackers for years have not been making that Nick Bolton's going out there and making. So it that's that's what makes me optimistic about what his future holds is the easy plays that he was able to make were not being made too often for the Chiefs. I told myself I was going to be nice to Anthony today. And so when you said some of those things, I naturally I was going to take out Tony, but I didn't. Tony Hitchens, um, pour one out for Tony. He's going to get ran through on Sunday. Boy, they're just going to have to do it in spite of Tony. That's a a rough matchup for him. But anyway, his Iowa Hawkeyes won, so good for him. Good for for Anthony Hitchens. All right, BK, Serta, um, great job today, Serta. I meant that, what I said earlier. As a person, sometimes I really, really don't know if I respect you. Um, and, uh, and I mean, that doesn't mean like you mean that I did a great job then. <laughs> I think you did. All right. Um, you, you had some points in it, but, uh, what, what, what do, what do they need to check out on Arrowhead pride coming up this week? I know the first thing I got to check out your prediction. What do you got in this one, Rob? Oh, do we have to do predictions? No, I got the, I got the, yeah. come on, man. Regular season. You would have known that if you were here in week one, <laughs> I got a, I got the, I got the chiefs 30, 30 to 14 in this game not close and uh and uh it's just a, it's just a rough one for the ravens 30 to 14 yeah i've got the chiefs 34 to 27 uh they take this one down they cover the three and a half point spread which is wild i'm surprised that it's that low in this one but 34 27 is what i've got i've got it going over the total chiefs covering the spread i think they get a big victory in week two against the ravens I believe I picked 31 to 24 on arrowheadpride.com earlier today. I don't really remember if that's accurate, but that's what I'm going with right now. <laughs> Jesus. Good Lord, man. Awful. 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 Can I change my score? Oh, God. <laughs> Why? I do. I feel like the Ravens are carved out a field goal. I think it'll be, <laughs> I think it'll be 30 to 17. You must stop at the end of the show for a field goal? 
I think, yeah, I do. I think 30 to 17 is where my final answer. I didn't say final answer earlier. 30 to 17. All right. Uh, no, sir. What the hell they got to look at on, on, on Arrowhead pride coming up. Uh, well, be on the lookout Saturday morning. Uh, obviously we drop our best of the week podcast every single Saturday morning. You can hear uh, segments from all of our favorite podcasts all throughout the week, all of our daily content on the Arrowhead pride podcast network. And then Sunday night, it's going to be late, but me and Pete Sweeney will be on live immediately following the Chiefs game. We totally understand if you guys can't stay up and watch us on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. We hope you do. If you don't, the podcast will be available for you as soon as you get up and go to work on Monday morning. I'm thinking about being a little twisted and joining you. I'm going to cry. I just think I'm going to try to crash that post game. Uh, uh, be a little twisted i'm the one in charge of the link so you gotta let me know ahead of time (laughs) (laughs) all right that's show i'm show that's bk that's serta we are out What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Property Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.